0: Welcome to One Hundred Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and as always, it gives me great pleasure to introduce the co-founder of the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys. He is the native Kiwi, Doctor Damien Christoph.
1: <laughs> I'd be like a, a, a honorary Kiwi. I don't know about native. Yeah, you've got the key. You've guys. got the keys to New Zealand, don't you? I think I gave them back. I gave them back. But um, i tell you what, I love, you know I love New Zealand and I love heading over to New Zealand and I love Wellington, which is where we're heading to today. I, I did spend a lot of time in Auckland, Daukland, um, but I I much prefer to get down to Wellington. It's a cultural hub, the capital of uh, New Zealand. It's you love it. Beautiful. You love it.
0: And whenever we have a, a New Zealand guest on 100 Not Out, Damo gets very excited. And today, thanks yes, to our welcome. Wellness Couch teammate, Carl Hammington, who is the host of Best Me Radio on the Wellness Couch, he said, guys, you've got to interview David Dobson. He comes in to uh, to the gym every uh, week. He's a wonderful uh, part of the team. He is 86 years young and thriving. He moves like a teenager. He's sprightly. He's strong. And we are so um, humbled that David Dobson has been good enough to join us on 100 Not Out all the way from Wellington. David, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's great to have you on. Uh, I think, you know, i got to... A- you know, we, we both are excited to speak to anyone that is aging well, and, and really the the whole um the, the plot of one hundred not out is mastering the art of aging well for someone that is eighty six, soon to be eighty seven, that is moving so well. Um, do you feel like a, a an outlier? Do you do you look around you in uh, the year twenty eighteen and, and see yourself um, at eighty six and have a look at many others at the stage of life that you're at, and and um and feel like you know you're one in a hundred.
2: Yeah, um, because I live in a retirement village, so I've got over 100 other people who are relatively old, and I, I would say I'm probably the fittest person in this village. And that's not skiting, I mean, I think it's just a fact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Damon.
1: I think it's actually it's actually okay to acknowledge that you're the fittest person, and um, the the shame about that is that it'd be great if you had some mates that you go for a little jog with or rock on down to the gym with and um, and go hard together. I think that'd be unreal. It seems that at some point, though, I reckon, Dave, uh, people. Uh, disengage a little bit as they get on in their years. I I know my dad's only 67, and, you know, know, he'll say things like, I'm too old for that or I can't do that anymore or whatever else, and I think it's that sort of language that slows people down. What do you reckon?
2: You've got to get the can't word out of it. (laughs) You've got to be careful
1: how fast you say that word, David.
2: If you want to, and it's a matter of um, getting out and doing it. I mean, one guy said to me, I've, I've got a bit of arthritis on my wrist. He said, well, use it or lose it. And I, I think that's the, basically the problem. A lot of people don't think they can do it. So they gradually decline and they lose it.
0: Has that been a philosophy that you've had for many years? Or do you think you've been like that ever since you were young? Or do you think that's um, a philosophy you've adopted over the years as you've realized that you have to be proactive around the way you manage your life and your health?
2: Yeah, well, I I had a job where I was out walking every day. I was a farm management consultant, so I was walking up hills and down dales. But um, I got a bit lazy when I moved into an office job. And then my wife and I went away for a holiday one year, and we were staying at a hotel, and my wife said to me, look, they've got an aerobic class on here in the morning. Let's try it. And that was 30 years ago, and I hadn't stopped. And I started doing aerobics, but i've I've gradually moved away from that and into, into more um, focused exercise and using a trainer. And uh, as you say, Carl is my current trainer and friend. And um we just work away at things now and uh, and look at the things that are appropriate for my age. Yes. Um, so that I can I retain flexibility, mobility. I can do an Asian squat and get up from it quite easily. Wow. Um, and it's just a matter of working on those things that, that allow me to do what I want to do. I can still dig the garden. I can lift things. I've, I've lifted 85 kilos in a dead weight, deadlift. Um,
1: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent.
2: And, I mean, I think just recently there's been more talk about the importance of strength for older people. And, again, I notice it here because a lot of people can't get out of a chair. They've got to push themselves up with their hands or they struggle or they've got to have an arm to lean against. And um, it's it's those sorts of things that I'm noticing more now with older people that they, they just can't do some things, which we should be able to do quite easily.
1: You're right, David. It's um, the whole rusty gate scenario, which you mentioned earlier on, you know, use it or lose it, makes absolute sense to me. Um, the moment you stop using it, it's the moment you start losing it. I yeah. uh, I love that, um, that you can acknowledge that, you know, doing a deadlift of 85 kilograms is important. And, you know, to be able to continue to do that, I think that it's a pretty slippery slope once you uh, get to the point where you can't lift yourself out of a chair. In other words, you can't. Um, carry yourself, and there's a whole lot to do with uh, memory and retention, and mental aptitude, cognition, concentration, uh, with the ability yeah. to move. And so, you must be pretty sharp too. I'd expect. Are you still reading? Are you still speaking? Are you giving lectures anywhere? What are you doing these days? Yeah,
2: I, um, I've been. Uh, we have a, a group or uh, an organisation, New Zealand, called SeniorNet, where uh, older people teach other older people to use computers. I've been involved with that for over 20 years. And in fact, just last Monday, I was in at our health clinic and uh, helping some guy to bring books down from the library. Um, Excellent. I So that, that I've kept up reasonably well with the techie stuff and having to pull down Skype even I managed to do without too many crashes <laughs> because I've got an Apple computer and I always use FaceTime with my kids. Yeah. Um, no, we've got this working. And, uh, I, you know, I keep reasonably well up to date with the techie stuff. Um, I'm chairman of the uh, residents' Association here and have been for about eight years. They haven't sacked me yet. <laughs> um, I'm, I help up at our local hospice. My second wife died up there, and so I sort of contribute on a voluntary basis up there and um what else do i do i'll go to the gym three times a week so you know but i think the important thing is and i think you've hit it you've got to keep that mind working as well and um doing the crosswords and code crackers and all this stuff every day just gives an extra boost to the old brain
0: so this is really interesting i i feel like you know listening to you talk David, and, and we've been doing this podcast for over five years and speaking to graceful ages uh, regularly. There is a there is a real template for, for living a great long life. But the one thing that really enamors, well, my curiosity, I'm sure Damo as well, is how you deal with challenge and you just spoke about your second wife dying in the hospice where you now volunteer at. You know, so many people experience grief that really... Um, lives with them for years and again, it's so. I, I can't really talk about this because I have lived such a sheltered life and haven't experienced much grief in my life but to, to go through an experience like that, how do you come out the other side still bright on life, still um, engaged in community, still, I mean, it sounds like you volunteer at at least half a dozen organizations and, and thank God you are working out with Carl as you said, lifting books up and down stairs and doing asian squats and the rest but how you know and and really i suppose more the question is what advice do you have for those listening that are in a really low place that might be in the thick of grief or in something really challenging um in in that how can they re-engage uh with life
2: uh that's a hard question and um i think because i was looking after my wife for about four years I think you do a lot of grieving without realizing it during that time, towards the end, particularly, so that when the final day comes, you've sort of, in some ways, have got through a lot of it. It's
1: like a gradual path to reconciliation of what's going on. Like you kind of get to the point and you go, okay, that's done.
2: Yeah, it's, it's sort of like that. Yeah. You don't forget them. No, of course you not. You still cry. Yeah. But, um, and I also wrote the story of my life. And I put quite a lot of effort into that period, particularly for my stepdaughters who were both away at the time, so that they understood what was going on. And I think by writing it all down, too, helped a lot. And, um, but I was able to move on and get on with life without. Too much problem. I've always been able to be on my own and be happy on my own. I haven't had to rely on having company all the time. I've always had something to do, and um, I think that helps. Um, I see people here who have lost partners, spouses, and um, yeah, they, they struggle at times, and everyone is different, and you can't tell anyone
1: how to do it. Yeah. Some people get through it pretty well, and some people are broken. Go
2: and, go and join something. Go and do this. Go and do that. You've got to work through it yourself.
1: It's a bit of a human nature thing to shoot on people, isn't it? Like People like to tell you how to do things. Um, David, um, I play golf, and I love it. I love playing golf. Um, I'm 45 years old soon, and, uh, and I'm young. And and I find that the more I play golf, um, the more I notice little aches and pains, little things, you know, kind of creepy. And I might get a sore knee after a game or I might get a sore elbow after a game. But it doesn't stop me. It doesn't stop me from playing. And then I'm more motivated to go to the gym and do more work and make sure that I, I stay fitter and stronger. Yep. What, at what point did you feel aches and pains in your body? And do you still feel aches and pains in your body now that you're so fit?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm lucky. At the gym, Carl and his colleagues at the gym, two or three of them are well-versed in massage and they know their anatomy. And I actually went through, we had a, a session with one of our trainers there who went through all the areas of the body on rollers and balls and roll guards and all this sort of stuff. So we get a lot of support in help in being able to rehabilitate and I had a wonky hip a while back and it was giving me a bit of chip. And doing some exercises, doing rolling and getting a ball into the tight spots, um, it's been fine in the last few weeks. I've got a shoulder. It's interesting, I I, I think using a computer and using a mouth particularly, I've got a, a, an Apple mouse is quite nice to use. But having that right shoulder forward, you know, you're sort of reaching forward to the mouse, And I think I've had a bit of RSI in my shoulder, so we're working on that at the moment, loosening up that uh, peak major and peak minor and and getting that back and getting getting that shoulder right back down onto the floor again. And we've been working on that for the last few weeks. And so there are things like that that I think, provided you've got good advice, you can rehab reasonably quickly if that makes sense
0: absolutely and i think it's wonderful to hear such a level of commitment that you have to your own physical health and mental health and and all the other areas because i think it's just a a beautiful example of just um how intertwined um it all is particularly physical health in in what level of quality of life that you're able to live which is again i think it's inspiring for for us and our listeners to hear what about um You know, I'm always – and you mentioned it earlier about your – I think you called it the senior nerds or the the group that you have that it keeps you all engaged with your technology. I'm massive on the fact that for, you know, our youth to really learn from the the older generations, there needs to be a level of engagement and and Damien's very good at this in the way that he can engage with his son, Jackson, in that he's happy to engage with him on technology because he knows that that Jackson, you know, is very – and a lot of that generation are very comfortable – technology. So then I I suppose my question around the youth is what do you think the biggest challenges are for the youth of today? And um, a lot of older generations often, for want of a better term, they whinge and moan about the youth of today but you see 200 years ago it was the same concerns about the youth of today. So for someone that is older, it's been around for a number of generations and you can see uh, the millennials and for our you know, our parents here of, of millennials and even just younger children, what challenges do you think they're going to face and do you have confidence that they will see it through? Um,
2: I think the, the younger people, the, the biggest problem I think is with the over 80s or even over seventy five. Um, a lot of people, myself for instance, I had never touched a computer until I retired. And I said to my board, if you want to give me a retirement present, you can give me a computer. Then I had this damn computer, and I said, well, how the hell do I learn to use it? And so I joined this group called Net and they taught me how to use it. And from that, I've developed, and I'm now teaching other people. And I think that's the important factor, that has got older people teaching older people. And I think a lot of older people have been along to politics and this sort of thing for night classes. And they've been mixed up with a lot of young kids. And they get left behind, and they get discouraged, and they give it away. Uh, Whereas with our group, where we've got older people, one of our, some of our people are over ninety, and they're they're still helping. And um, it's these sorts of things. And I think, um, I think if you've got older people teaching older people, they understand older people better. Yeah, that's right. Go too fast. They don't overload them with stuff. we've changed our whole technique of what we do now but um, by the, uh, that's by the by uh, but I think a lot of people are scared they think if they touch a keyboard the whole thing's going to blow up or <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like you do something wrong you know no, it's, mine, it's I'm just, sort of, just this absolute wrong. terror of actually sitting in front of a, a computer and putting your mm-hmm. hands on a keyboard and wow. so we've got to get through that yeah. but I think too society is leaving behind a lot of older people, those that can't afford to have the technology. They're forging ahead. Banks are closing, for instance. Yeah. Uh, we had three banks in our little suburb of Newtown here in Wellington, where I live. Uh, there's now one bank, and. Um, I, I just read in the paper today that there's a small farming settlement just or the wine growing area just out of, um, in the Wairarapa Rapid, just north of Wellington, where all the banks have closed. Yeah, wow. And, you know, one person there runs a retirement home or rest home and says, well, none of my people uh, can have got a bank handy now. A lot of them don't have the technical skills to do their banking online. Mm. Um, how do we manage? And I think... In some ways, I think the older generation has been left behind. They it just all happened fast, didn't
1: it? Ooh, it moved, it moved really
2: quick. The problem that older people face in trying to get into technology. And, you know, today, um, I can get my passport online. Okay, I have to go down to a local shop and get a photograph taken and put the disc into, into my computer or whatever and um, and download the photo and get it into the proper place on the form. But a lot of people just couldn't do that. They can't do it. And so there's a lot of things that I think older people are really disadvantaged in some ways and um, and really struggle with technology. So, okay, that's only my view on it.
1: Well, it's it's a big language leap, isn't it? Unless you've kind of grown up with the language, it's quite difficult. You know, some of these young kids these days have got the messiest handwriting I've ever seen uh, because they use, you know, keyboards so, so much. Yeah, they, they yeah. don't
2: know how to write. They only print.
1: They this is right. There's no cursive, um, and they they certainly wouldn't sign their name as beautifully as what I'm sure you do. Dave, um, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions um, about you. Um, One I'd love to know. I'm a food guy. Um, I used to be on television in New Zealand. You might have seen me once. I don't know if you ever saw me. Um, I did a TV show called Downsize Me. I don't know if you remember that TV show. We taught people how to eat good food and eat well. And so I'm interested to find out what it is that you eat. What do you have for breakfast, lunch, and tea? And do you think that diet really matters?
2: I think diet matters but I think you've got to be sensible my philosophy is and I picked this up I used to work in the food industry and I was in the meat industry and particularly in pork and we did a lot of advertising a lot of a lot of um, uh, marketing and we got in tow with the nutrition Foundation yes and the doctor Joe the guy there Dr. John Birkbeck and his philosophy was. The best diet you can have is a wide variety of food in moderation. And that's been my philosophy. I picked that up from him. And so you can have a bit of chocolate. You can have some ice cream. You can have a couple of beers. Yes. You can have good food. I cook I cook every day from fresh. I don't buy any pre-prepared food. Excellent. I like fish and chips occasionally.
1: <laughs> that's the spirit.
2: I'm basically cooking every night
1: from fresh. That's great. So what do you have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? What's, what's your daily diet well, so that people are inspiring?
2: For breakfast, I will have cereal. At the moment in the winter, I'm making some porridge and I chuck it with whole oats, and I chuck some raisins into it, and that's breakfast. Lunch might be soup and a piece of toast or an egg, something like that. Uh, dinner will be a meat normally, not always, meat, chicken, pork, beef in small quantities. Again, I think most people eat far too much meat. And coming back to my colleague in the Nutrition Foundation, 80 grams of meat a day is sufficient to provide the iron and everything that we need. I'm, I eat a lot of fruit. I eat quite a lot of vegetable. I don't eat huge quantities of meat. But I will have apples, bananas, kiwi fruit, oranges, pears, out in my in the bowl. And I will often have three or four pieces of fruit a day. And I will normally have about three or four vegetables at night.
0: Well done. Oh, Sounds great uh, to me. Yeah, and I think There's, that's the I, thing is that the sensibility factor, demo and how often are we talking yep. about how it's gone a little bit wild in the Too food crazy. world. It's gone yeah. a, anything but sensible. Um, so, David,
1: just one question. Have you ever made yourself a green smoothie?
2: <laughs> I haven't made a green one. I've made lots of other ones, though. So.
0: <laughs> there you go, folks. So you don't, you don't need a green smoothie to live a ripe 86 years. And, uh, David, he asks you that because <laughs> there's a bit of an Pretty obsession facetious. in the social media particular world where there's almost a view that if you're not having a green smoothie, you're not healthy. And uh, we just like shattering that belief every now and yeah. again. So thank you for confirming. I, yeah, well,
2: I don't go along with any of these fans um, because they change weekly for start. Uh, and um, I, I mean, I, I weigh about 75 kilos, and I maintain that weight, and it doesn't go up or down much. And um, I think it's part of its genetic, of course. I think um, a
0: lot of part of it, though, is, is your lifestyle.
2: And, uh, all all Yeah. So um, I, I, I think I've got a genetic advantage in that respect. But also, um, I think just being sensible about what you eat, you know. I I don't think there's any, there's no miracle diet in my opinion.
0: No found of youth. Oh, look, it's been an absolute joy to glean some of your wisdom, Uh, David. No doubt we could keep on going. We're conscious of your time and we can't thank you enough for for sharing your wisdom and. all the very best to you, David, as you continue to stay committed and to living that one hundred not out lifestyle that you you're doing so well and thanks for inspiring us, particularly with a bit of sense and sensibility this morning on one hundred not out.
2: Thank you very much, Marcus and Damien. Been great talking to you. Let's keep it going sometime, eh? Absolutely. Great, David. Absolutely.
0: Thank you. Um folks how good is David Dobson? You can find out more. And I think really for particularly people in New Zealand, go and check out Carl Hamilton the, who's the academic director at HealthFit Collective um, in Wellington. You might bump into David Dobson uh, when you're going um, and checking out Carl at the HealthFit Collective. So make sure you go and do that. To find out more about Damo, uh, head on over to DamianChristophe.com, myself, MarcusPierce.com.au. Damo, thanks again as always for your contribution to the podcast.
1: Thank you, PC. It's always a pleasure. I love heading over to New Zealand too. And thank you, David. It was great. No
0: Absolutely. trouble. Enjoyed it. And a big shout out to everyone who makes this, this podcast possible, our editor, Joseph Tomo, Rosie Garner, who does our social media. And remember, we'd always love your feedback. Head on over to thewellnesscouch.com. Check out the entire range of podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. And as always, until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life.